0: Welcome, everybody. Episode four of Everybody Needs a Nudge. I've got another guest here. Um, we're going to get into get into it with uh, Nick Todman. Uh, what is your official title, Nick?
1: Accounting manager.
0: Accounting manager at Crowdlending, Inc. But uh, before we do that, we obviously want to tie up some loose ends from our last podcast with Paul McRae. I'll give you uh, my quick weekly update uh, and some couple of uh, items here in the podcast room that we should talk about. One, uh, for our uh, rabid fans out there, which we have so many of at this point, uh, my sister Doris being the number one fan, we got some new equipment. Uh, we changed the mics out. We're going to give those a, a try, and uh, we got a couple of cameras in here, Nick. We're really going high tech here.
1: Hey, only way to go is fast. That's
0: it. That's it. So we're improving the uh, we're improving the um, podcast room. Uh, I had the pleasure of catching a giant fish this past weekend, Nick, forty five inches. Ooh, yeah, big one Uh I didn't have a scale on the boat. Oh, come on. I know. On. I know. I know. It was a big it was a big fish. We'll uh, Root Bear, we'll send you a photo of the pick of the fish and, and and you can uh somehow get it up on this screen up here. Um uh circling back to uh Paul McCray my last guest, we talked a little bit about his daughter going to Endicott, and I mentioned uh that the mascot for Endicott was was being changed, and it wasn't Endicott. It was Curry College. So Curry College was the Curry College Colonials. Uh, Colonial, The Colonials is now offensive um, for a variety of reasons. (laughs) Uh, So they moved on. I don't know what they are now, but they got rid of... So that's what I was thinking of. That's what I was thinking of when... um, when I mentioned that uh, Endicott was changing their mascot, and then finally, we talked a little bit about Rob Hale, who uh, is Granite um, Granite Communications, very successful guy. But he does have a he does have a real estate development company called Fox Rock. So I was not wrong on that either. So the purpose of this segment is to essentially tell everybody people that I was not wrong. You were right. I was right okay. I, again. Okay. All right. So. Um, my daughter's healing up. We talked about that. Uh, she's got the broken collarbone. Uh, so so going through something right now, sh- we signed her up for camp. Uh, I'd like to get your opinion on this. Okay. Uh, we signed her up for a rowing camp that's supposed to start uh, the end of July. Uh, obviously, she can't do it because uh-huh. she's got a broken collarbone, and they won't refund the money. Uh-oh. Yeah. How that's- do you feel about that?
1: Uh, they I had a
0: ju- they had a June first deadline, but her collarbone wasn't broken on June first.
1: Yeah, I feel like they should make some sort of concession. Like so, so they con- credit for next year or something.
0: So they won't go to next year. They'll give us a credit for a different week. Is that fair?
1: How long does she does she need a, to heal?
0: This will be so. This would be the week they offered would be the first week that she's back from uh from her injury. Got it. And it's double sessions.
1: That's a lot. It's a lot. That's a lot on a fresh break in. And surgery. Yeah, so I'm
0: beefing. I'm beefing with the. Uh, I'm beefing with the summer camp people right now. I'm yeah. gonna. Be, I'm gonna beef. Email beef. Oh yeah, just keep it going. Yeah, I'm gonna. Just keep it going. Yeah, yeah, until I, I get what I want. I'll email. But, but the problem well. is, so so here's the underlying problem, right? Like the, the person that runs the camp is also her rowing coach at high school. So, I gotta tread lightly. And she can't hook her up. Uh, you know, that's my beef. <sighs> that's my beef. <sighs> that's
1: disappointing. I'm yeah, not gonna
0: lie. Uh, it is. So, um, uh, what else? What else happened this week in my world? Not much else. You know, crowd lending's cranking along. Nick is a big part of that. Uh, oh, we, we, we got a new hire in here. We got
1: a new hire. We got yeah. a new hire.
0: Bregan Hoolihan is a new addition. Uh, she's going to start in earnest on Monday, so we'll see how she does. Uh, yeah. Crowd lending just remains young. I think she's young, right? uh Rupia, do you, you know how old she is? 31.
1: 31,
0: yeah. yeah. So Nick, how old are you? I just turned 30 in March. Just turned 30 in March and and Root Bear, what are you? Root Bear's 34. Bear's is 34. Uh I'm 46. So mm. we just we're getting younger younger around here though. I like it. Getting there. I like it. There. I like it. Average, um, average age is going down. <laughs> which is, you know, you big numbers guy that you are, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, like you know. average is median and you know, maybe someday you can explain the difference yeah. between you know we'll pull out the averages, and and median, and we can like have a real sick calculus talk oh. about finding oh. triangle angles and shit oh, like yeah. that. Put oh, yeah. put on unbelievable. Put it up on the screen too. Put it up on the screen. Yeah, I'll give a little life, little lesson on uh, on mathematics. So, so Nick came to crowd lending four years
1: ago. Yeah, four years ago, uh, June eighteenth. Wow. Did I can, I think I congratulated you, you on, yeah, on, yeah, the LinkedIn, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yes, yes, yes you my did. link, my LinkedIn game is tight. Mine, mine's
0: weakened a little bit. I gotta get a little stronger. It's so tight right now <laughs> on LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, big Twitter guy.
1: You are a big Twitter guy.
0: And and then I'm getting on the Instagram. Uh oh. Yeah, I'm starting a little Instagram action. Okay. But very confusing for an old man like me.
1: It's you'll get used to it. Yeah, Twitter's nice though. I guess you know, feed the information
0: yeah. comes in. What about TikTok? No, I'm not on the TikTok. No, I'm not allowed on that. Not, my daughters won't let me. Probably a good thing. Yeah, they don't want me seeing their TikToks. No, no. Uh, I did take my my I did take Rose, my my middle child, uh, to the airport yesterday. She's in Sea Island, Georgia, right now. For what? Just living her best life. Really? You know, just crushing it. 13 years old, flying down there solo. Solo. So here, how about this? Cost me. Forget about the flight. It cost me. A hundred and fifty dollars for her to fly unaccompanied, okay. On top of the flight, oh, on top. On top of the flight, oh. And then another thirty dollars in in parking, and then I and then forty dollars at the airport for food and drinks. Really? Yeah. So it was eight thirty yesterday morning, and I had spent two hundred fifty dollars, putting in the bat of an eye. Really? And then you know what I got out of it? Nothing. I waved goodbye. I got. A, I'm sorry. I got an egg sandwich and a hug. That's what I got. Egg sandwich. Where Good egg have- sandwich though. Egg. I uh, 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 flew Delta. Uh, Terminal A15. There's like a Boston Bruins uh, restaurant
1: there. Okay. Really good egg sandwich. which case so, yeah. so the 150 what? Basically let you in there? That's it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah,
0: that gets me through the gate because I can go through the gate 150 carry, bucks. Just no flight. That's it, no
1: flight. Well, better than, I mean, you're better than my parents did for me. They just dropped me off and, and drove away. Well, I think you could do that back then. Yeah, I was, I was probably the same age, like 13. Uh, my grandmother just moved to Georgia and I went down for a full summer and parents. Basically, didn't even stop the car. Just kept it rolling. Yeah, get out. Yep, that was it, and yeah. I was there. They went on and did their th- whatever they were oh, doing. Yeah, they're probably having the time of their lives. Yeah, only get rid ch- of that only kid. Only child at that time, so yeah. Yeah. they're
0: free. Um, so he joined us four years ago. Roll is is you know he does all the numbers. Oh, yeah. Runs runs the accounting department. But we're not really here to talk about what he does at crowd lending. We want to figure out how did you get to crowd lending. So, uh, and Nick and I talk. I don't know. 11,000 times a day at least uh <laughs> we cover a whole bunch of different topics whether it's work personal whatever uh, but i never got the true story or uh, not the true story the full story <laughs> i get I hope i get the true story the full story of uh nick todman and and sort of where he came from my my version of nick todman starts probably right around the age of 13 yeah i got some information on that and then obviously you know high school and in college. So where did it all begin? where where, where was home growing up and and who was in the house and and uh let's get into it.
1: Yeah. So uh from Danbury, Connecticut. So that's where Don't like Connecticut. Okay. Start there. Not yeah. a big fan of Connecticut. I I understand everyone's frustration. Connection
0: between Massachusetts and Boston. It's Look at the name.
1: It's a pass through state. Yeah.
0: Connect I cut. No, you're not wrong. I'm no I know I'm not. I'm right again. Yeah. That maybe that should have been the name of the podcast right again. Honestly? (laughs) Right,
1: comma, again. It it fits. It does fit. (laughs) All right. So born in Danbury, Connecticut. So I was actually born in New Haven. Okay. Uh, And then my my dad is from Danbury. Okay. He's from the British Virgin Islands. And he moved up here with my grandparents, I think, when he was about six or seven. Okay. So for almost the entirety of his life, he's been in in Danbury, Connecticut. Okay. Uh, I was raised by my dad, single dad, uh, for a long time, uh, from the age of about two months, Two months old, all the way up till obviously I went off to to college and whatnot, uh, and then I have a, uh, a stepmom who came in the picture, probably when I was around six six years old, something like that. Okay. Uh, and I, Danbury through and through the whole Danbury time. Danbury High School. Danbury High School when okay. I was a uh, class of twenty ten.
0: T- class of twenty ten. Yeah. Okay.
1: And all then right. when I was about sixteen, seventeen, my parents, my dad is young, so is my stepmom. They had my sister. Yeah, uh, so
0: you got a younger sister.
1: Very young. Yeah. I was basically out of the house by the time that they had her. Gone. Yep. And so between sports and school, I wasn't home that much my senior year. So, uh, for the most part, we're kind of just on our, each, each on our own. For, for,
0: you know. as, as, so, 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 your father essentially raised two only childs in, in, in some respect. No, exactly, yeah. So, how old is, uh, and I don't, shame on me, her name is? Calissa. Calissa. And how old is Calissa? Shame on me. Uh, 13. 13. So I have a thirteen-year-old. That's the one I just put on a on a plane. How would she do on a plane by herself? She can oh, hang. Don't even get me started. Well, I, that, the whole point of this podcast is to get you started.
1: So she's she's never really left home. Uh, the only trip she left home on was with me. Okay, and it was to go see my grandmother down in Georgia.
0: That was recently.
1: That was um. So that was I think three years ago. Okay, and I went. I went again a, a year or two later. Okay. Uh she cried every day. Um <laughs> every day. And I don't know if it was a mixture of not having her parents around. Yeah. Or it was the lack of Wi Fi that my, my grandmother had. <laughs> so Wi
0: Fi yeah. She doesn't care.
1: Because we stayed in Airbnb for a couple of days, just downtown Atlanta. Uh Wi Fi was, was going strong and she seemed to love it. Yeah. As soon as we got back to my grandmother's spot, cries. No Wi Fi. No can't get on the phone, can't do her TikToks. Nothing. No TikTok. She, she lives on that iPad. Yeah. So uh, I don't know how she would do. I don't think she would do well. Uh, I definitely think Rose is, is doing her thing. Yeah, Rose is, yeah, Rose is, she's, uh,
0: she likes the Wi-Fi too, but she, She. Uh, I think she'd be just fine. Uh, I hope she's just fine. I haven't talked to her today. Um, all right, but, but, but to back up, so you go to Danbury High School. Yep,
1: so I went to Danbury High. Play some uh, sports there? Oh yeah, with the Mad Hatters. Oh yeah, he says. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> oh yeah, ath- Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, so when I was at Danbury High, I played football in the fall, uh, and then I did indoor and outdoor track. Okay. Um, for the f- the, the winter and spring sports. So,
0: with with at the risk of being offensive here, okay, you're not a
1: small guy. So how tall are you? Six one. Six one. Uh, in high school, I weighed about two eighty. So. I was one at the same time, so about 6'1, 280, 285. So you were definitely like a wide receiver? Uh, yeah. <laughs> actually, I think I was the running back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I played a, a varying amount of positions, yeah. mainly offensive guard, uh, defensive end, and defensive tackle. Teams any good? Uh, the team, my junior <laughs> that, year. That means no. No. I, unfortunately <laughs> not. Uh, my junior year was probably our best year with, in terms of the, the talent. Yeah. Um, and we did pretty well. Uh, And then my senior year, a lot of guys left, a lot of guys, and it just wasn't there. Like, I want to say uh, my junior year, we had about 10 all-area conference uh, athletes. So, uh, you know, FCAC was was the conference. And then my senior year, it was just one. It was just me. Wow. So were you a a two-year? I was a two-year varsity starter, uh, and then I subbed in my sophomore year on some games. Okay. And then freshman for the most part, just stay freshman. You stay freshman, yeah. But I practice with varsity uh, every couple of days. So how big were you when you went to high school?
0: Were you a big big kid? And
1: yeah, I've always been big. Yeah. It's, it's just been, you know, my grandfather was 6'3". My great-great-grandmother great was, I think, 6'4". Grandmother? Yeah, she was tall. The The Todman bloodline runs strong. Yeah. Uh, so they've always been very tall. Uh, I probably went into high school maybe 5'10", something yeah. like that. Um, still still a little hefty or husky as my grandmother likes to say yeah. um, and then I kind of just grew a little bit here and there uh, filled out a little bit more getting a little bit more muscles working out obviously a practice right after school at 2 o'clock uh, and I probably wouldn't be done till about 5.30 yeah. so it was about 3 hours of practice every day uh, that'll so do it it was a lot so uh, you know I can't help but notice you
0: mentioned your grandmother a lot
1: oh yeah um, that's
0: my day one that's your day one. Oh, okay. Yeah. So so tell me that Tell me a little bit about that and sort of how that influenced you and,
1: and guided you. So, yeah. So obviously my dad raised me for a long time by himself, but I wouldn't want to say by himself because he had such a strong family with my grandmother, grandfather, uncle was down there. And they baton, were all in Danbury? All in Danbury. Okay. So a lot of- Any
0: cousins? Any-
1: any. No. So it's just my dad and his brother. So my uncle. Yeah. Uh, and that was the the extent of that. Okay. My uncle never had kids. Okay. Uh, so it was really just me. And when I say cousins, like it was a lot of family friends that had kids. That you would uh, just call and cuz. Yeah. So, like, my family, my immediate family by blood is, is tight. Mm-hmm. But if you go out, you know, one more circle, uh, they're basically family. Like we yeah. see them all the time. Yeah. That's what I call aunts and uncles. Some of them are godparents. Yep. Um, so we had a really big group that would take care of me because they're all young. My dad was probably, I think, 21, 22 at the time. So when he was flying solo with oh you, yeah. he had no idea what was going on. Yeah, no clue. But all his friends were like all chipping in. Yeah. Right. Some of them were just like, trying to keep you alive. Exactly. Don't let the baby die. Literally. Right. Don't got let, him right now. Don't
0: he, let the baby die. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's literally but what it is. By the way, that's but that's that's every parent, uh, no matter how old. I mean, I, I can remember when we first had Annabelle, you know, you'd be watching on the monitor while she was sleeping. And like if there was you thought there was any sort of a. Funny breath, you're in there standing yeah. over the... over. Yeah, what's, what's going on? What's going on? Going on? Is it okay? Put your hand on the chest, make sure she's still breathing, yeah. and go back to bed. Exactly.
1: So so that's every parent. That's regardless
0: of age. But uh, but 22 is young. Yeah, he was uh, young. So he was, we needed help.
1: He needed help. My grandparents obviously were a huge help. Uh, I think we lived with them for a little bit while he, he got his own place, because he wasn't ready for me. Yeah. Uh, it was just one day I, w- I wasn't known to him, and then the next day I was. And that was it. Went, got me, and here I am. Uh, hey, but he... You he uh, he put in a lot of work. Uh my grandparents helped a lot. So yeah. I stayed with them uh pretty much on the weekends, taking my dad some some fresh air. Yep. Uh my grandfather was a pastor. Yep. Big big church family. Uh so I would be in church from about nine AM to about three PM. Yeah, so we talked
0: we, we've talked about this in the past and I'm I'm uh always interested in how people view faith how people use faith uh my, my back my family was catholic but we didn't go to church yeah so uh, you know essentially non yep, right? practicing catholic right we, we uh, you know we would go and we would go on easter or we would go on christmas and then you know we did ccd and then we got confirmed and we went through all of the all of those things but once you know once that was over, it was over, you know? And, yeah. and,
1: and my kids don't go to church now, but you, you went to church. Yeah. So, um, for, I mean, as far as I can remember, I was in church. Yeah. Uh, all the way up until, uh, my grandmother moved down to Georgia after my grandfather passed, uh, I stopped going. I, it wasn't, she was kind of the one bringing me all the time. Uh, so I stopped going I still obviously believe in whatnot, but, uh, church was a huge part of, the, of our lives at that time.
0: All right. So, so, were you going to church because your grandmother made you, or were you going to church because you were getting something out of it?
1: As a kid, looking back on it, I was going just to go. As I, as a kid, that's all. I I just had to be there. But you learn a lot, and I look back on it, and I think it was definitely a a good experience, and I, and I definitely support it and helped shape me the way I am. You basically have another community outside mm-hmm. of family and friends. Yeah. Uh, and I, in church, I, I did a lot. So my grandfather was a pastor, so all eyes were on me. Uh, I was an usher for as long as i can remember. Mm-hmm. and then they had i think quarterly they did youth church or, or something like that. i can't really remember what it's called, but effectively the kids run this, the whole service. Uh, so every time that happened i was the called to mc. like i was the, you one were the I was, big dog. i was the big dog. yeah. yeah you got the mic. so i got the mic and i was the one kind of, you know, going through all the updates, reading the scriptures. Uh, the serv- sermon still went to the pastors, um, but i was kind of handling all that. so help Shape me. I got to learn how to talk to adults more at a younger age. Uh, just made me more comfortable overall. Yeah.
0: So huge um, uh, thing that I'm trying to instill in my kids, and and uh, the schools they're at offer it is is the ability to speak in public, public speaking, and, and the ability to get up in front of a uh, an audience, whether scripted or unscripted, and 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 control the room is uh, on a you know on a on a high level is is super important. But again, getting down and being able to talk to an adult uh at fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years old or even younger than that is such a huge life skill yeah. uh that I see a lot of kids missing. And I you know, I do as you know, I do a ton of coaching. So oh, yeah. I'm around kids and you can see the ones that are comfortable having a conversation with an adult versus the ones that aren't. Yeah. And I just think that carries all the way through. So that's sort of the first the first nudge as we like to call on the show here is well, is is uh your grandmother making you go to church uh sort of teaches you to be um teaches you to be a, a interact with adults gives you a little bit of confidence maybe a little bit of maturity uh, that some of the other kids your age might not have had um, which you know allows you to become sort of a leader later on in life but but uh, gotta say that um, somewhat of a uh, different family setup growing up for you
1: oh yeah very different yeah Uh, which to me was for the longest time normal right Uh, and until later on I didn't realize I started to realize it was very different. So, when did
0: you start that realization that uh, oh man, they got they got a mom and a dad, I got a mom,
1: I got a dad and a grandfather and a grandmother. This is a little different. Was yeah, it? Yeah, it was probably uh, right around the end of middle school. Um, okay. you know, doing like sleepovers and stuff like that, and like huh, and, and obviously I always knew it wasn't a normal, you know, household. It was just it was normal to me. Normal to you? Yeah, and then I started to see the really the interactions between, you know the parents and the kids and stuff like that and obviously I was an only child a lot of my friends weren't um so that's when I kind of really started to think like huh this is this is not normal yeah um and, and it's different and I hate to use that term not normal right traditional but, maybe yeah, traditional probably yeah. yeah so I started to realize that and it was which was cool because it gave me I like to think a little bit of an edge I, I was outside the box already yeah um so it kind of gave me a little bit of a maybe like a chip on my shoulder and I, I did use that chip on my shoulder for a long time the underdog yeah yeah i am i'm my uh
0: i like to be the underdog oh yeah much prefer the underdog than the favorite right. um uh, yeah you, you, know, you feel like you could whether it, whatever it is you feel like you can play a little bit free or you feel like this. you're more relaxed you yeah. can really just be, yeah. be you there's no expectations exactly. so to speak uh it's a win win really uh but it sounds like there was a lot of love in the house
1: oh yeah there's a lot of love yeah. um
0: a lot of discipline
1: a lot of discipline who's uh, who your Which grand, I needed. Your it. Grandfather was. The grandfather, I got stories. Yeah. One, one of them was. Uh,
0: Careful, we don't want anybody I getting know, in trouble. Trust right? me,
1: I, I just changed the story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you changed the one. You went through the Rolodex oh yeah. and switched it up. So, um, my, grand, my grandparents' house was, it was a ranch style, and it had a, a sun porch or front porch, uh, a three season room yeah. that connected pretty much the whole house. So, it would go into like their master suite, uh, and then obviously everything fed around. I forgot what I what I did. Doesn't um, matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but I know I was in trouble. Yeah. And it was to my grandfather. I started running. And I, and I was small at the time, so I, was, I felt quick. Yeah. So I'm running around the house. I'm looking back. I see him chasing me. <laughs> Run around, make a corner, boom, see him. All right, cool, keep going. And I look back on the the next street. He was gone. Yeah. And I'm like, huh? And I'm a little kid, and I go. Like, oh, I don't know that the whole thing connects. And well, go around the corner after I look back. It grabs you, grabs me. <laughs> and he was a big guy, so. His hands pretty much just covered my whole chest, scooped me up in the air, uh, and I got a little bit of a whooping for that. Yeah, yeah. But he he disciplined me, and, uh, and I thought it was for me at the time. Obviously, it wasn't great, but looking back, you need that help help mold me a little bit. You need that, you especially need an that. only child with one parent. Uh, it, it was it was tough just to put it all on one person.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um. So now you get to high school, you play a little football, but you you really at that point there's some focus on. Track and field, right?
1: Yeah, so so I went into high school. I, I played baseball growing up, uh, Little League. I wrestled for one year. So baseball was really what I was planning on doing uh, in high school. Uh, and football was really just a pass time. And I was always yeah. too big for... Youth uh, football. Yeah, pop you, Warner. Yeah, because you, you, uh, you, uh, yeah, you weigh in. Yep, yeah. exactly. So so I would always be way too high. Yeah.
0: Uh, I was always way too low,
1: by yeah. the way. <laughs> so my dad was like, you're not I playing was. with... The, I'd be like eight.
0: Well, they won't let you. Yeah. They won't let you play they're afraid you're gonna hurt
1: somebody. Yeah, or you have to play like me.
0: Like yeah. I was the one that they were afraid they were gonna hurt because yeah. they were like, look at this little runt
1: over here. So I have to play with if I was eight, I had to play with like twelve year olds. Yeah. If I wanted to, my dad was like, no. Yeah. Uh so when I got to high school, I was going into high school, I was like, you know what? It's time. This is my shot. Right. This is it. Like I'm big guy. Might as well use <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Uh so that's and eating these burgers playing. all these
0: years, I'm gonna use it's this paying off. Yeah. Right?
1: <laughs> Finally. So uh I started football. I mean summer going into high school I did yeah. football camps week, things of that nature, uh, and then once that season was over, it was really up in the air what I was going to do. Like I just playing sports was just a given, uh, so I had to fill each season. That was to yeah. me it was just I had to, yeah. I wanted to. So uh, I was going to, to play baseball in the spring. Like that was my thought: play baseball in the spring. What can I do in the winter? Yeah, I didn't want to not go to basketball, uh, and I didn't want to wrestle again. And that was pretty much it. Those are my options aside from track and field. So I was like, you know what? I'll do indoor track. So I did indoor track, and I loved it. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. And same thing, bigger guy. I can. I was a thrower. I wasn't a distance runner. Just everyone knows.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, that's a surprise.
1: Sometimes maybe I thought about uh, it, but but not much. So
0: you were a thrower. For those that don't know, and I don't, and I don't know because I, I don't not don't live in that world. What does that mean, thrower?
1: Yeah. So so track and field basically everyone knows for the most part what it is. Uh, you have running events, jumping events, uh, you know, short running and long running, and then you have throwing. Uh, and throwing really encompasses there's, there's three to four main events. Uh, when you look at outdoor and, and indoor, you have the shot put, which everybody pretty much knows. Yeah. Um, and that's just like a, a cannonball yep. that you're throwing. These go way, way back uh, to just basically are implements that they were used in, in battle yep. uh, for the most part. Uh, the, you have the, that's indoor. You have the weight throw as well, which is similar to the hammer thrown outdoor, but it weighs more. Uh, in high school, it's 25 pounds and college is 35 pounds. And that's, a bigger cannonball and yeah. a, a little net with a handle, and you spin it around, gain momentum, then you release it. Okay. Uh, and that goes off They measure the same thing. Uh, and then outdoor, you have shot put again. Yeah. You have discus. Yeah, I like that one. Yep. discus is cool. So that's just a little, it's basically a, a two dinner plates stacked on top of each other that weigh about four pounds. You spin around, gain momentum, and you, and you release it. Yeah. And then you have javelin, which is just a giant spear. Uh, that was my favorite. So that was my favorite for the longest javelin. time. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the hammer throw. Uh, some states in high school don't allow the hammer throw. I don't think Massachusetts does, but Rhode Island does. Big state. Yeah, Connecticut didn't either unless you had a special meet. So I didn't do much of it. But that's effectively a shot put on a chain. Yeah. It's the weight throw, just longer and lighter. Yep, okay. Uh, and that one's a lot of fun. So I did indoor, really only shot put for, for that freshman year. And, and at the end of it, people started practicing for outdoor, like just getting ready. And they had these little, they're called turbo jabs, they're indoor javelins. Uh, they are about, you know, two to three feet long rubber. Um, they weigh just about the same, a little bit less and you just throw those into nets and stuff like that. Just to get your technique down. Cause throwing is as big as you are and as strong as you can be like a lot of technique. It's all technique. So you'll see smaller guys do really well. Yeah. And you see the bigger, stronger guys that have a lot of technique do really well. Yeah. Um, so it's all technique. So I was just playing around with it. And one of the coaches was like, Hey, you're good at that. You should really think about doing outdoor. And I was like, I was going to play baseball. Right. And and baseball in Danbury was really political. Um, So growing up, it's the travel team is not who's the best uh, player. It's, you know, whose dad knows who, whose mom knows what. Yeah.
0: Uh, This ties back to uh, this, but this ties back to what we, what I talked about with Mark Gammons as far as, you know, the political landscape of youth sports. Yeah. uh, And it's been in existence forever. And, you know, Mr. Gammons would say be better, right? So. And I know that's it. That's simplifying things. But if you are at the top of the pile, that you're going to get picked, whether your yeah. your mother knows somebody, your father knows somebody, or not. So uh, it sort of goes agree. back to that. So I'm of that
1: mindset as well. I, I don't think my dad was at the time. He didn't want to subject me to something like that. Yeah. Or he he kind protecting you a little bit. A little bit, yeah. yeah. And, and wasn't going to play a part of that system. Yeah. Um. So I was looking at spring sports, and I was like, I'll do baseball. But it was always that political aspect, and I was like, you know what? Track is cool, and I was like, I probably do more in track and have more fun. So I said, you know what? Let's do it. So I did yeah. outdoor, and that's this is where freshman I, year. Freshman year. So that coach, who saw you
0: throwing at that indoor gym, yeah, turns you on to outdoor practice. Amazing outdoor.
1: coach, by the way. Oh, I love. Amazing I love. Coach. I love coaching stories. Oh yeah, he's he's an awesome coach. He. Do you he, still talk to him now at all? I don't talk to him now. Yeah. Uh, I talked to him all through college. Um, so you stayed in touch with him post high school. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I tell him about big accomplishments, throwing and stuff like yep. that. Uh, he was a part-time coach. You should reach out to him. I should. Yeah. You know, you're, you're right. I should. I am right again. Again, here we go. <laughs> I like I just let's right t- again. Tossing alley oops yeah. yeah, no layup. Boom. <laughs> uh, but he he was an awesome coach. Uh, he, he really helped mold me into a better athlete. Yeah,
0: and a better uh, person. I'm sure. For sure. Yeah. Through athletics. Yeah.
1: I think it's all. It all goes on the same kind of you know, path. Yeah. Uh, so he had. Obviously influenced me. I said, let's do it. So I, I started throwing an aspar. So there's another
0: little nudge. Another the, little nudge. That, that, that pushes you in that direction. Oh, yeah. Away from baseball.
1: So, uh, it's a, yeah, it's obviously a series of nudges, right? That gets yeah. you to... That sure, that's here.
0: the point yep. whole premise of this podcast.
1: So he nudged me into outdoor. Yeah. We right? get it. Yep. You don't, don't have to explain it to us. I'm sorry. I wasn't paid to Root do Bear that.
0: And us, Root Bear and I got it, okay? We're the one putting this thing together. I'm okay. so sorry. Okay. So On a so weekly sorry.
1: basis. I'm just a fill in.
0: That's it. Yeah, I just couldn't <laughs> find <laughs> the guests this week. <laughs> so I'm here Yeah so you're here You're in the room next to me Let's go get, right, Let's get go. in the podcast right. Yeah,
1: Three minutes notice
0: That's uh, not true by the no, way No it's not Sorry it's not.
1: I'll make sure everybody knows the yeah. truth uh, It was at least three days advance notice <laughs> um, But yeah So he, he nudged me into outdoor um, yeah. And that's where I felt uh, I, I excelled at Javelin Javelin yeah. was my favorite Right Throwing this giant spear
0: So have you ever seen I don't mean to cut you off But I'm gonna You're good Because you, I am the host Have you ever seen The movie Revenge of the Nerds
1: Ah <sighs> I want to say I've seen snippets of it. I just don't remember. Okay,
0: so Revenge of the Nerds is a classic from you know when I was a kid, and there's a they, the, you know it's a story of a bunch of nerds at this high school and they are, essentially they trick all like the the cool kids into a whole bunch of different stuff, yeah. right but there's a scene I think the I think the character's name is Jamal, where he's like a a, a brilliant engineer yep. and he comes up with an alternative uh, javelin. Okay. And it's like he's, it like bounces up and down. It's completely crazy. And then he launches it like three times as far as everybody else. Really? Yeah. It's a funny scene. It's a funny scene. It's, and I have to, yeah, and they're playing the, uh, they're playing like the Olympic song as he's running. Yeah. Down. It's Revenge of the Nerds, everybody. It's a good movie. All right. We'll check Rupia, it out. Rupia, you know about Revenge of the Nerds? Yeah. Oh my she God. She does See this. So this is the problem with having a young office around here. When was it released? I don't know. Like 19. Go Look it up. Look it up, Rupia. Do your job over there. Jesus. I'm going to say 1984, Oof. Revenge of the Nerds.
1: That makes sense if you are in high school, yeah. 1984. Wow. Nailed it. And, and you Hold, were, on. He was, Hold on. Hold on. He was what? Right again. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. People are going to think this is scripted, I just think, so you know. I know. So but everyone's going to like, oh, what's going on?
0: <laughs> I can't believe I got that right. I'm usually wow. terrible. So anyway, I, I, I digress. So so where
1: does... Where does Four years, so, so that's freshman year, freshman year, yeah. Varsity track and field, yep. So, I was obviously freshman football, uh, JV track. So, the way it works in track and field is basically you hit metrics, right? If you throw this far, you'll be this, if you throw that far, you'll be that. Yeah. Uh, and it all plays in with basically where you'll fall in line with the team and going into like championship conference season, right? Sure, so uh, JV for indoor. Which, which was for me was great at shop. Yep. I love that. Uh, and then I was varsity outdoor freshman year for javelin. Just for javelin. Just for javelin. Yep. Not for the um, 100 meter dash. No, no. Okay. I tried really hard, yeah. but I just didn't get You're there. You're still running. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they just told me to stop.
0: <laughs> you you got, The 30 you got meter to mark, like they're like, the 50 meter mark. And they, all right, buddy, that's it. They're enough. already
1: lining up the next race. <laughs> and I was like, ah, here we go. So uh, I made varsity, and that's, that hooked me awesome me. and then uh i started to do obviously more and more i kept doing, i did the same sports um all throughout my high school career mm-hmm. uh and i think in i then going into i can't remember what year it was i think i was a sophomore or no i was i was definitely a junior yep okay here we go i was a junior i tore my labrum okay playing football second game on your throwing arm or would it matter so it does matter uh it was not my throwing arm but it was my, so it was my left shoulder yeah we were doing it was just uppers football practice second game of the second week of the season and uh, one of my there's a second string player one of my buddies he was trying to uh, go a little too hard yeah we're just an upper so it's really just touch and he had uppers, come. you mean upper gear. You got no you don't have your it's just no shoulder pad, yeah. just helmet. So yeah. you're not doing full contact. Right. You're really just going basically half speed. So yep. just, just tapping people, just really get plays in line. It was a day before a game. Yeah. Uh and he had come flying through the line as we're just jogging through some plays. And I'm like, whoa. And I just turned my shoulder into him. And when that happened, it I didn't notice at the time but a little pop. I'm like, wow. I thought it was just a stinger. hmm Uh so I was like, just gonna hurt a little bit of sore. And didn't think much of it. Well, that was the second week. There's ten. There's ten games, and it kept getting a little bit worse and worse. And I kept playing through it, and I would get like wrapped up and, and massaged out, ice, hot, heat, all that whole season. And it's getting worse and worse. It just doesn't feel great. So at the end of the my junior season, I was football like, season, football season, yes. At the end of the fall, I was like, I gotta go get, I gotta get this checked out. I gotta get this looked at. Uh, and they looked at it like, like this is bad. Uh, so I tore my labrum. In two spots, uh, in the front and back. So a labrum for anybody that doesn't know it, it's like a. I like to describe it as a as a dinner plate. So your labrum is a dinner plate. It's it's cartilage, and your your bone sits in it, mm-hmm. and the bone doesn't shift out of this plate. It's a, the thing of the bone as as a beach ball. You put the beach ball in the dinner plate, it doesn't shift out because it's cupped. Yeah. Well, I took, you know, basically some some high impact and smashed two sides of it, so now the the beach ball doesn't sit. It yeah. starts to rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they had to fix. I think it was two in the front. So I put two anchors in the front. I got three anchors in the back, uh, and I was I was fixed. Yeah. So I missed all of indoor season, uh, junior year, and then I, it was a race for uh, outdoor season, to try and get the rehab was about six months yeah. for me. Uh, and and since it's my left arm, which you don't, I'm throwing with my right. Yeah. But your left, and especially in javelin, you use a lot of it to to pull you around. Yeah. So you're trying to whip yourself around. So I couldn't do that. Yeah. So the last meet of the regular season and outdoor, uh, you have to for championship season you have to qualify. Yeah. So the last I I tell you, I'm at the meet. I still haven't been cleared and they won't let me throw. I get I to call my doctor, I'm like, I need to throw like right now. And it won't even be a big one. It'll just be a little one. I just have to make a throw and I know I'll qualify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I find like everyone's getting over to the the area. He's like, Fine. You have two throws, and that's it. The doctor clears you to throw in the last meet of the season. Last meet of the season, uh, in the regular season. I I throw them, I qualify, and then now I have an extra, I think, two or three weeks after that to actually still heal. Yeah, Um, get up to speed. I go into the championship season. I I did well with one arm, uh, and I make my way through uh, FCX. is a big conference. Uh, I forgot what I, I placed. I think it was like third and second, something like that. Okay. Um, and then I make it my way into senior year. Yeah. Football season goes through. Shoulders fixed, for all I know. Uh, last game of the season. Uh, of your career. Of my, effectively, yeah. Because yeah. I had made a decision in, in, in high school. Uh, I had some offers for football. Where? Um, Rutgers uh, Central. And there was one more school. Um, well, Rutgers is big time football. Oh, no, they were good. Uh, yeah. uh, there was a, There was a few others I just didn't... I just knew I didn't want to play. You didn't want to play football. My shoulder was already banged up, and I I'd, I'd done accounting in high school, and I knew that what would pay the bills was not football for yeah, me. Uh, right. And I'd wanted to go to school as a an academic uh, rather than an athlete. Yep. Because uh, football in college a pretty is, heady
0: decision for a seventeen or eighteen year old kid.
1: Yeah, I, I was trying to make it right, trying yeah. to make make it out of Danbury. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I would be too. But, right. Yeah, yep. Seriously. Yeah. Uh. So I knew that that my, that was my path. Yeah. And, and I knew what going on in all the visits and, and the recruiting trips, like. Football is a job. Yeah, uh, and they do say student athlete, but a lot of the times it's athlete athlete student. Correct. And I and I think so. I I'm I, um,
0: coach a lot of kids right now, and a bunch of them are sophomores and juniors in high school, or uh, rising sophomores and juniors, and mostly in the hockey. We're all in the hockey world, really, and they they are they want to play at the next level. Yeah. Uh, and and some of them are uber uber committed, um, to getting there. Whether it's D one or D three, um, and some of them aren't as committed. And I, you know, what I say to them, I said, "There's a huge commitment to get there, and then there's a huge commitment to stay there." Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's a lot of people lose sight of the fact that once you get to the college level, how much work it actually is, especially if you're at a D one or a high end D three school to play these sports. It's a year round job. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, they own you. Uh, they're going to yeah. dictate what you eat, where you sleep, how much you sleep, how much you eat, and, and uh, when you're working out, when you're not working out, and, and everything in between. Um, so, I, you know, you try to make sure that they understand that, and that's not a picture that is painted very well by either yeah. the uh, coaches that come down and speak to these kids. They yeah. talk about the commitment to get there. Uh, they don't talk necessarily about the commitment once you're there. Uh, maybe because they don't want to scare these kids away, but it's also not talked about to the by, by by the skills coaches or whatever that are trying to help these kids get there. It's all about we get we can get you there, we can get you there. Yeah. Um, you know, on the other the flip side of it is you could get there and you'd be the flavor of the month in your freshman year and then, you know, all of a sudden three more kids come in and they're playing the same position you're playing and and you fall out of favor and now you're a sophomore or junior and you put in all this time and effort and you're not seeing a lot of ice time or or, or playing time if it's football or whatever. So, um, you know, I I try to instill in the kids that I talk to um, how much – of a commitment, it really is it's huge, huge, it's huge. And then throw throw academics on top of it. All these kids are very successful academically, and a lot of them are at private schools that are, you know, yeah. that have, you know, a very. Um, Robust academics uh, programs and and they do well at school, so school's important. They understand that, and they got parents that understand that too. So, yeah. but then you go and whether it's a, like I said, you, you know, you, you you got two jobs. You got Correct. your academics, and then you've got your athletics, and it's it's not easy. Yeah. So it's it's heady for a seventeen or an eighteen year old kid to say, hey, I, I, I can focus on one of these. I can't focus yeah. on both, and to pick ac- academics like yeah. you did.
1: And I think to it helped was actually the shoulder injury probably helped that a lot, just because. I couldn't do any sort of training camps and stuff my rising senior year. So going into my senior year, yeah. which is a huge, if you're an athlete for football, that's your time, Yeah, right? That's when you get, that's where you go, all the camps, you do all a bunch of visits. And that's when you really make your decision and show the the coaches that, you know, look for me, Yeah, my senior year. Yeah. Right. So look for me going into my, my senior year, my season, that uh, my fall season for yep. football yep. and they'll make, you know, make the decision or whatever. And, I didn't have that. Yeah. So for me, it was like once I didn't have that, I said, you know what, it's gonna be super hard to go somewhere uh, and play football, having effectively just missed a whole scouting window.
0: Yep. Oh, let's I should have let it bit. play. Should have.
1: <laughs> um. So it kind of helped. That helped me a little bit. Uh. That was you know another little nudge into the right direction. Um. Uh. Let's see. So that the was the injury was the injury. Yeah. So I, I get last. So that was going into my senior year. Uh, play the whole season my senior year, uh, doing well, loving it. Shoulders been holding up. Last game of the season, uh, I was blocking this kid. I actually went to he went to Florida. He was a, a amazing athlete, big guy. Uh, but I knew I could you know him and him and I one on one. You can handle it. I can handle it. Yeah. Uh, so that was me like kind of like proving to myself that one last time exactly that one last rodeo that that high end Division one could have been me. Yeah. Um. So. I'm blocking this guy, and he's big. So with the big guys, you don't just go straight up; you work them, right? It's a little bit of thinking and strategy. Sure, footwork, handwork, letting him, letting him use, like using his strength and speed to his dis, you know, to my advantage, his disadvantage. Sure. So I'm guiding him out away from the play, and my my fullback runs into me, uh, and I have the guy out like this, and he hits my my elbow and upper arm, bends my my shoulder in, and it dislocates out. Oh man! Uh, and at that point, I retor. Uh, everything everything yeah so i was out the rest of that game tried to get back in couldn't couldn't raise my arm three inches off off the side so they wouldn't let me in so that was tough uh but then the focus was on was on track yeah uh and i knew that uh, i couldn't have surgery again because i couldn't be out for six months so just just wrote it out let it be rehabbed it yep and then at that time i made the decision to go to bryant uh purely academics yep uh and I just, just, And that's Bryant University. Bryant University. In Rhode Island. In Rhode Island, yep. yep. Okay. Bulldogs. Yep. So I made the decision to just be pure academic, no athlete. Yep. Just let my body be my body. Uh, and I went to Bryant.
0: Look what it is now. It's a temple.
1: Yeah, it is a temple. Oh, yeah. I try, at least. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I got. He weighs his food. By I the do. Everybody. I do. Uh, weighs it. Puts it on scale before he eats. Trying to shed these LVs, you yeah. know. Uh, so I got to be disciplined. But yeah, I made the decision, went to Bryant, yeah. enjoyed my last season throwing, um, realized I could not not be an athlete Yep. at Bryant my first semester. I didn't, I wasn't, I was any nothing. You were nothing, just yep. another student. Just another student. I'd talked to the football coaches before I came, thinking about maybe walking on and whatnot. Uh, and I was like, it's, again, it's just not, it's just a job. It really yeah. is a job. But I got too bored. I was really too bored. Um, so I went and talked to the track coach I said, hey, I want to throw. And he said, "Okay, send me your, you know, your previous throws. Like, what, what it looked like." I sent him over, and he was like, "Okay, you're, you're on. Yeah, yeah you're, you're good. joining. You're good." Uh, so I threw, pretty much the three and a half years. I threw at Bryant. Um, okay. I threw all the events, and, and that's where I really learned to love the hammer throw, the hammer and the weight throw. So I did javelin. So was that a full time job, as we t- talked about? It was. It was part time job. Yeah. Um, I mean, I put in maybe three hours a day. That's uh, significant. Yeah, uh, football was six, I think, at the yeah. time. So uh, probably six to seven, actually, with or maybe eight, even eight, with you know with all film the, and all the other exactly cl- all that lifting stuff and all the other stuff. So we obviously didn't have film, yeah. uh, but we did a uh, two-hour workout uh, and then one hour of lifting at, at least. So about three hours every day, uh, which was perfect for my schedule. So and, and Brian's a huge business school, so. Uh, they're not. They're not built around athletics. Yeah, it's built around academics. Correct. They're built around all you know, finance, accounting, marketing. Yep. That's what's built around. So the yep. class schedules don't always suit an athlete's needs. Especially they
0: the, they just schedule classes. They don't care.
1: They'll, they'll Yeah. So like, this is the time, and it, you got to work effectively. Work with your coaches to try yeah. and make sure because you have to take this class exactly. Yeah. And if you want the best teacher, you know, there's only a certain time, and you really got to fight for it. Yeah. So. Definitely built around academics, so it was a little bit of a job just trying to schedule things. Mm-hmm. But I loved it. it; it did well for me. It uh, kept me on, just kept me busy. Yeah, right. Especially in college, if you're not busy, you can get into some trouble. Idle
0: hands are the tools of the devil.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I kept my hands busy. I had idle hands yeah. in college, yeah. although I was a
0: Division one athlete. See, in case yeah. you didn't know that.
1: Yeah, yeah. You got two Division one athletes That's right here. Unbelievable!
0: Unbelievable. I mean, you wouldn't know it. Just looking at us, right, so though? They're like,
1: huh, <laughs> how does this math work? Yeah. So. <laughs> what
0: sport did the little one play? <laughs> he was a runner. Was golf. Runner. For those that don't know, golf. Okay, he played golf he in college. Couldn't put it together. So four years at Bryant. You graduate Bryant. Summa cum laude.
1: I was a second tier.
0: Cum laude. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, not Summa cum laude. I wasn't neither tier. Yeah. I was tier three. Yeah. Louder. I, I
1: have my little tassels. Yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. My grandmother grandmother and parents were super proud. Awesome. They, they should be. Yeah. It was so, so you get out of Danbury, Connecticut. You 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 end up at Bryant, which is a great school, and then what? And then so at Bryant, I interned every summer for the most part. Uh with PwC doing accounting uh as a little intern. Yeah.
0: Boring. But it, go it, ahead. It was
1: interesting. Uh, In it not was interesting.
0: It yeah. was not. He, he didn't. He forgot the word not. Before yeah. But that's okay. It's all
1: right. You're right. Good. So so you. It, why did you intern there though? What what? Yeah. So so well. Bring it back to high school. Um. I did account. So my high school is huge. I had about at the time three thousand kids. So and brian at the time had three thousand kids. So roughly the same size. Wow. For me. It's yeah. a big high school. And they offer a lot. So yeah. I I took the you know the AP uh, higher end classes. And then I took accounting. They offered accounting. Yeah. So the accounting one and two. So I took those classes and my, my teacher was like, you know, you obviously like this stuff. And she was a great teacher. And she said, there's this program going on at Bryant where they take minority students and they put them through this week-long program that's uh, sponsored by PwC where you learn a little bit more about accounting and learn a little bit more about Bryant. Uh, what they're trying to do is get some more diversity in the accounting profession. So they want to just open everybody's eyes. So sure. It took about 40 kids from... Anywhere. I mean, uh, most kids were the East Coast. We had a couple kids from Puerto Rico, California. uh, A lot from like Philly, Maryland, uh, down south. So really the whole, really the Eastern Seaboard uh, and a couple out west. And you learn a little bit more about accounting. You learn a lot about Bryant. uh, And they're really trying to funnel you into those two. The genius move by by both Bryant and PwC.
0: Great. Honestly, great move. uh, Great move. Great move. They open it up to minority kids that obviously showed some... Some aptitude towards yep. uh, accounting. Yeah, they get them to come to Bryant. Yep, which so yeah, pays I, they their bills. Yep. and then PwC, you get you know you've already got a half a foot in the door over there. Exactly. So you think you're up, and they they they, they love it because they can get a whole bunch of entry level accountants to come in, and push
1: paper around. Exactly. And yeah. same time that was my that was my rising senior at the time. So I was a junior going to senior year. Same time I'm making all these other decisions. Well, shoulders out. Football is probably off the table. Uh, Only academics. And I roll up to Brian. I'm like, wow. And I loved it. Yeah. Uh, And, and, and,
0: it's amazing how all of that sort of happened at the same time. Yeah. The shoulder injury, can't go to camp. Then you, then you essentially go to accounting camp, which is like a whole bunch of nerds hanging out. Say, but that's a, a whole of, different a bunch story. Bunch of nerds, right? If that. you saw this hey group, guys, was, hey. we, had a, we had a time. Oh, I'm sure. What. I'm sure you were tearing it up. Oh, I'm t- you know, Trust me. With your abacuses and all your other stuff that you had going on, I'm oh, yeah. sure it was a blast. Oh, little calculator. Yeah. And what, what was not. that? What was, what was that Texas <laughs> instrument calculator? Ti eighty four. Ti 84 Yeah, I
1: have one. You have one here? Uh, I don't know if I brought it might be so I, I the, still use it.
0: A little story from from my past. We were allowed to use the TI-84 in high school. And but you used to be able to like write notes in that thing. Yeah, you can. So yeah. you'd be taking a test, and you know you press, the, and all like your cheat sheets were right there. You just like, what are these teachers thinking, allowing yeah. me to use this calculator in here? Oh, Rootbeer's over here raising her hand. Yeah. You did the same thing. I'm sure everybody used the TI-84. Is the greatest oh, yeah, it was, cheat sheet in the history it was of cheat sheets. That's
1: why they cost much money.
0: Yeah, they were expensive. And then you can get some little games in there too. I didn't know about the games. I was just trying to get through pre-calc could play a, my senior could play year. Snake That's and all. everything. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. See, that's what they did at the nerd camp that he went to before senior hey, you year. Want, you want to see my calculator? <laughs> hey, I got the TI eighty four. Play some games of
1: snakes. Yeah. Well, hey, we, we exchanged calculators for a little while. <laughs> we exchanged calculators for a little while. It was a fun that's time. incredible. It was I'm fun. sure it was a blast. I, I I'm sure, I'm sure it was a blast. Um, so PWC, you go there right out of college? So yeah. So I, I interned uh, every. I did that program. I was the counselor for that program while I was in high, uh, college. Oh, so you went, you gave back. So yep, so I started being That's awesome. Yep. Every every year I could. So you still do that program now? They still do it. Uh, yep. uh, that's great. So I was the, the counselor for I only did it three years. Uh because effectively when you're a full-time intern, you can't do both. So okay. I, was, I was a counselor my first year and I was a lead counselor my second and third year. Yep. Um and then I interned at there were internships I did. It's called Start or yeah, I think it was Start at the time, which basically takes minority interns are accounting majors and brings them into PwC just to learn a little bit earlier. Cause you don't get that full time uh, client service internship until <clears throat> your last year. Yep. So effectively I I did real grunt work. I mean like I was working in the print lab doing just random stuff, yeah. but you got to really just experience the culture. Yeah, you're in the, you're in the firm and they keep your foot in the door. Right. Yeah. And then I started with them. I did my client service internship. Uh, and then I started with them uh, 20 15. All right, so you start with them, and how many accountants start with you? Ooh, uh,
0: it's a couple hundred. How many of those couple hundred are minority kids or or people, adults? Maybe. Not kids anymore.
1: Five to ten? That's it. Yeah, it's small. So uh, of the start internship, um, which I think was about 40 kids, uh, only, I want to say maybe only... Not even half, because because it does span a few. <coughs> I would say maybe about twenty, which we call it right down the middle, and then half of that actually started with PwC. Started with so okay. Yeah, so about I would say about ten, roughly give or take. Um, so not so, a lot. So so you're making the, are you making these
0: decisions on your own? I mean, who are you bouncing this stuff off of? Uh, you know, should I take this job? Should I not take this job? I mean, are, the, are these things falling in your lap like the 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 the? Uh, does the does the nerd camp fall in your lap? Like, how does that? Yeah, so... um, are you, I mean, are you getting guidance from... It sounds like you're getting guidance from coaches and teachers and stuff as opposed to sort of, or at least professional guidance. Yeah,
1: so... And this is all very different than like what my, my dad did or does um, and a lot different than what my stepmom was doing. Um, so, honestly, I want to say that I didn't have a lot of guidance. Uh, I kind of just made those decisions. I felt like I just kept running with it, and I felt like I knew what... The, the best course of action was. And I think I probably a little bit more maturity growing up uh, a couple steps. So I, I was kind of already ready to make those decisions. I made those plans and I probably through talks and conversations with my parents and yeah. grandparents and, and <clears throat> teachers and, and coaches it kind of helped put me in there. But I, I can't really remember any like specific times. I really was like, should I do this or should I do that? I mean, those are heady decisions to make yeah. uh, sort of on your own almost. I knew what I wanted to do, I think. And, and I've always been a very, Headstrong person and kind of doing my own thing. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, So I felt like I just kind of took it and and ran with it. Yeah. Uh, And I didn't really think there was, I didn't really think I had another choice. I was like, this is obviously right here. Yeah. This is my best option. I'm weighing it. Probably talked to my friends a lot about it, people that were in the same kind of world. Yeah. My little nerdy friends. Yeah. All the nerds got together. Yeah. Uh, I just ran with
0: it. What nerdy job are you going to take? Yeah, exactly. Work at PWC. Like, oh, you're
1: working this summer. You're not just going back to have fun. I'm like, well, yeah. Well, I had I had to. That's yeah. what I thought. So uh, you're at PwC for how long? So I was with them for just shy of three years. Okay. So uh, I was in there. It's called SIP, which is utilities, retail, consumer, industrial products. Sounds amazing. It's so fun. Oh my god. So I, effect- yes. Yeah. I was an assurance associate. Oh my is, god. I'm an auditor, effectively. Yeah. Uh, amazing. It was stuff. fun. Yeah. Of all the groups to be in. That was the group. That was the, the most fun. That was group. the least nerdy of the nerds. Is actually, what you're saying? To actually, me. yes. Okay. is exactly what I'm saying. Awesome. So I was in.
0: That well, group. I mean, that makes sense because you're not a nerd. I mean, yeah, you are a numbers guy, but you are not a nerd.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't call. I, I like nerdy things at times, but I have a, a wide breadth of, of interest. You do. You oh. do. We'll we'll talk a little bit about that, but. But I, I want to fast forward through the PwC stuff
0: because it's boring.
1: But um, <laughs> so PwC for about three years, yeah, just and, being an And then auditor.
0: we, and then you come in and interview with us.
1: Yeah. So w- what made me get here to this this point? My last busy season was uh, it, it was it was a long one. It was you know staying up till 4 a.m. Uh, and then waking up at seven to do it again. And I just real and I just got a do- and I got a dog, uh, Biscuit at the time. Biscuit. And, I felt like I would. <laughs> as, as, Corny as it is, <laughs> I was missing, you know, precious memories. Oh my God! Yeah, I know. I, I can't know. Can't, even. Uh, yeah. Well, oh my I God! I said this, and I miss moments with Court too. Don't forget That's you your
0: fiance. Yeah. Okay, so just for the record, the dog got mentioned before the fiance. Just for the record.
1: Yeah, and she would she would be happy with that. That's a lie. No. And if you think that you're in for a world of hurt, trust me. Oh no. Trust me. Okay. Trust me. She understands. Oh no, shit. I would, knows, I would she be second tier. Yeah. I'd be second they all tier. Get it. I'd be second tier. Second tier to who? Biscuit and cocoa now. Oh, cocoa. Oh yeah. This biscuit and cocoa. Now cocoa. But yeah, yeah I was mi- I felt like I was missing a lot. Yeah, you're missing life cuz yeah. you're working in a sweatshop. Yeah. 50, you and know and 100 traveled. hours a week. So I was traveling as well, so I wasn't home Monday through Thursday. I get home Thursday yeah. night. No way to live. So on I only that. had Friday, Saturday, get prep for Sunday for work. So I was just missing a lot. And I knew that, and I knew probably 6 months before that I wasn't i'm done yeah and and i told everybody was like what's your plan i'm like i'm I'm not doing this anymore i'm out uh, i was like it's just not what i want to do i talked to my senior i was like you love this you you excel at it you love it like you want to do it more you you see yourself going up and up and up for me it, i don't see past this yeah so i was like i want a life yeah. so at that time i started looking around and you know this opportunity came across my, my desk and i'm like huh i love real estate so yeah. Always watching the HGTV DIY, just all this stuff that uh, I fake prob- real estate stories. Fake real estate stories. but it, it interested me. No, I get it. You're interested in real estate. Got my foot in the door. It was my yeah. little nudge. Yeah, little nudge. So uh peaked your interest. Yep. Yeah. So this came across my desk. P I Q U E D peaked. Oh wow. Yeah. I like that. Well, I'm a linguist. You, this is true. Yeah. So that crossed my desk, and right I said, again." This is <laughs> always, always. <laughs> <laughs> but I, lo- I, I the opportunity was cool. I was We're like, killing root right now she's love dying it. laughing right you gotta now. get her a mic just to hear it giggles <laughs> <laughs> they probably could pick it it probably picks it up definitely picking it up um well, i'm glad she's loving it so uh this came across my desk and it was very different from what i was obviously used to sure uh but i love that aspect of it right mm-hmm. i went from this huge firm and i was looking at this little this little you know at the time mom and pop shop pop you know, pop and pop pop and pop <laughs> and it, I would have been what the fifth employee, fourth employee, fourth employee, buddy. Yeah. Longest th-
0: tenured now. This is true. Longest tenured, uh, t- crowd lending employee right here. Yeah. It's Nick Todman, I'm sure I'm hear, I hear all about that in his review.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're gonna play this podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I this came across, and I just love the the environment. I was like, it's pop and pop, these two cool guys. Wow. Oh, um, that's nice. It, it felt more like. Obviously, we, we love sports, most of us here yeah. have played. It felt like a team rather than just, you know, I don't know, just like a job and boss and, and subordinate level. It felt more like a collaborative effort, yeah, uh, which really piqued my interest.
0: Well, that's sort of what we try to push here, right? Like we want everybody involved in everything, right? So, uh, and we try to listen to everybody's ideas. I mean, this was this was uh, RootBear's idea to do this podcast. She's been pushing for, I don't know, six months to get it done. So yeah. we try to listen to everybody's ideas and and uh I'm glad that that sort of came across in the interview process because uh it, it is one of the things that that we try to do but we tr- Chris and I have never sat down and 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 it's funny because I had a conversation with my sister who listens to this podcast and she after the first podcast she's like oh there was a message there and 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 then after the second podcast she's like oh this was the message that I got and we don't sit down before these podcasts so we don't sit down before we started crowd lending and say this is the this is our theme or this is our theory or this is our message. It's just like go be a genuine person yeah and attract other genuine person people and that are smart and let them do their thing. yeah you know what it's either Bill Gates or, or Steve Jobs said you don't hire smart people and then tell them what to do. Right? Yeah. You hire smart people and let them do what smart people do. Um, and true. if you're not listening to those people around you, then you're the idiot, right? I'm and so out. so it's it's uh, it's nice to hear, that uh that came across in our interview process we had probably had three or four interviews right
1: yeah and i was at the same time i was interviewing other places and yeah. i had come down to a few that i actually wanted to pursue and i got effectively offers from them and i'm i kept coming back and i was like i was finding reasons to uh not it was weird Like i kept finding reasons to like choose another place i was like well well, they do this, but I'm like, yeah. but I kept coming back to this, yeah. and I was trying to find maybe reasons not to pick crowd, yeah. right? And, and I couldn't find them, so I was like, just trying to search for them, search yeah. for them, search for them. And I said, if I'm doing that, right? If, if I'm trying to find other reasons, that's the place I want to be, right? Right? Or I was like trying to find place reasons to pick a di- somewhere else, yeah. And you couldn't, and it was tough. Yeah. And I was like, well, I could because be we're the this, best. Could be that, but I was like, if I'm doing that, my yeah. my gut, my subconscious is saying this is it. Yeah. So I said, so you no. listen to your gut. Yep. Yep. I love it big uh big proponent of, of listening to yourself.
0: Well so so that goes back to sort of like what we were just talking about you you making these decisions without an outside voice uh you know you, you you had an inside voice guiding you along all all the time and you weren't concerned with what other people were doing you weren't concerned with what other people thought or what the what the anticipated Path, career path was supposed to be because oh you're at pwc now you're in the grind and yeah. you go from there you go to the you know now you're a senior vice president or whatever you know whatever you climb that ladder right so you obviously listened to your internal voice and i think that's an important uh part of your whole life right 100%. i mean you know you listen to your internal voice when it came between picking and baseball and, and 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 track and field you listen yep. to your internal voice when it was like okay football's done for me you listen to your internal voice when it was like, I'm going to go to Bryant. And you're making these decisions all along. And then to all the way up to to now, um, sort of listening to your internal voice when you're coming in my office and sort of giving us advice on or, or your thoughts on what my we opinions. should do. Yeah. yeah, your opinions. And, and, and you're, some are listened to and some aren't. Right, and that's the nature of being part of a team. Like not everything's going to be. I'm not right all the
1: time. No, I don't. No, not I like you.
0: Correct. Well, but I'm I'm right after you're wrong. So
1: I'm yeah, right. You're wrong. Right, yeah. but
0: I'm using your information to make sure that I'm right. So that you, yeah. my rightness, you're part of my rightness. I guess is what I'm about. I trying. like that. You, you you complete me. Can we, that's what we it comes clip on. that? You clip me. that.
1: Yeah. yeah, clip it. I like that. Clip it out. In. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, and no, I think the, and I want to say, Lupe is over here making hot symbols. Oh. She's dying over there. But I want to say that what helped me a lot uh, is Malcolm Gladwell and uh, that book, Blink. Yeah, and which he, I read. And I'll tell you, like, I, I love that book. Probably Great my favorite book. book. Yeah. And I read that in AP Psychology as, you know, basically. Second
0: time he's mentioned that he took AP classes, by the way. I think he's trying to get something across. I was a smart guy.
1: Smart guy. Yeah. I graduated college with extra credits, too. <laughs> Uh so wow. oh, that's
0: great. Uh, you have who's good,
1: did, who do you use those extra credits with so, like go down
0: to McDonald's and get a burger? Uh, I get some extra credits here from Brian All right, All right, here we go.
1: <laughs> so uh, as accounting major I worked for PWC, I had to demonstrate uh, 150 credit hours, okay to sit for my CPA exam. So you graduate normally with how are we um, doing with that CPA? I'm, uh, I'm cruising? okay I'm cruising. So you graduate with 120 okay. normally. yeah. I basically never used my high school credits that transferred in which was about 12. And so I graduated 132. So when I did, the, and this is all part of the plan, right? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I did yeah. think I was a long-term thinker. I thought yeah. a few steps ahead. Like this is what I have to do. So I said, you know, I'm not going to use these, and that's I kind of figured that out through college. I was like, I'll just keep taking classes, yeah, because um, classes weren't that bad. It's, it's,
0: and you liked it. You, yeah. you liked the t- subject matter. You liked taking the class. You liked being busy. You know,
1: so why not? Yeah. So I was like, you know, just keep going, and I'm paying for them. Yeah. So I might as well take all of that I can get. Uh so I graduated 132, which meant I only had to take 18 other credit hours. So effectively, six classes. Yeah. So I did those online, uh, and I took things I liked, like I like think philosophy, real estate, uh, tax, uh, real estate law, some some other like random things yeah. that piqued my interest. Yeah. So I got to the 150. Got it. Uh, so that's why, I'd, you know, I, I hinted at it. <laughs> um, I forgot where I was going. Took all my oh, AP yeah, so classes and so extra credits. <laughs> better than you and everything but that's okay you said it not me (laughs) uh so i I read this book blink uh, which is about your subconscious and basically your body and your subconscious knows things obviously before you even realize and i think that kind of told me to keep an open eye and keep an open mind to like what's going on in my life and in my body and and try and listen to effectively what i'm saying just not not saying yet you know what i mean so that definitely helped me, I think, and kind of pushed me where I wanted to go.
0: So it's funny you say that and listening to your body, and this is not, this so so. I play some golf, and a lot of times you're like standing over a shot, right, mm-hmm. and, and you're trying to decide between a six iron or a seven iron or whatever it is, and one of the techniques that I use to decide which one I'm going to hit is, okay, I go stand over the ball and what does my body feel like? Yeah. Right? Like, so if I'm trying to hit a seven iron, which doesn't go as far as a six iron and all of a sudden I tense up because I feel like I got to hit it really hard. Yeah. My body's telling me that that's the wrong call. Got it. And I go back and get the six iron. Yep. And then all of a sudden I relax and I can hit a good shot. Right? Yeah. That's, so just, and, and blink, I'm simplifying what's in that book blink, but that's essentially it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's your body tells you almost, or knows almost immediately what, the read is, what the right decision is. And I, I use it, cute. I use it all the time in business when I sit down with somebody and start to get a read on them. Like what's my initial reaction? Yeah. Um, physically, like yeah. physically, you know, do I not want to look at them? Do I make eye contact? Do I not make eye contact? Do they yeah. make me feel uncomfortable? Does the conversation make me f- What's my body telling me about this meeting? Forget about the content of the meeting because, you know, anybody can tell you anything, right? 100%. You know, Chris, uh, my partner, you're, you know, one of the founders here at CrowdLending says all the time, uh, people lie, numbers don't. Yep, and, exactly. and it's very true right and and we're very very numbers driven here but we have meeting after meeting after meeting when we sit down with guys and they've got these pipe dream projects so they've got five projects going on and they're looking for funding and they've got a million other lenders that they've used and they have perfect track records and you're like mm. something's not right and and so there used to be there's an old saying and that I took out of law school that doesn't pass the smell test. Yeah. And essentially, something doesn't smell right here. And I say that to Chris all the time. Like, something doesn't smell right with this guy. Like, yeah. there's, there's more to the story, or, or woman. There's more to the story here. And um, a, and that's that book blank, right? I mean, essentially, really? uh, and, and you've used it your whole life. Yeah. You've used sort of that internal uh, measuring stick to make these decisions about which path your life is going to take and how you ended up at, at crowd lending is, you know, the the fourth employee and the longest tenor tenured at this point but i i use it in athletics i use it uh i use it in coaching all the time like it's, it, it's amazing what your sub how your subconscious works and i don't pretend to be a psychology major all i did my i was a sociology major in in yeah. college
1: nurture versus nature yeah. yeah
0: yeah and that's probably a a uh, you know a, a conversation for another day but but i do listen you got to listen to your body
1: yeah, and I think the people that excel, like the you know, the pros at anything, the 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 masters of whatever they do, they sometimes they can't pinpoint it, right? Yeah. Like they don't know what they're like why they made that decision. They just know it just didn't smell right. So something's mm. making me not feel great. I don't yeah. know what it is, but something's just giving me that inclining that I, I'm just not I'm not hundred percent there. Yeah. Or just like your body, you're starting to tense up. And the people that could pick up on those little cues faster can be a little bit more successful in whatever they're doing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the the story about the art, I think it's actually might be the first or second story in that book Blink. Uh they go one you yes, know, they, yes. the the museum buys a piece of art and they have all the lawyers check out all the, you know, all the background paperwork and they yep. have all these people come in and they authentic authenticate this yep. thing and they pay a gazillion dollars for it, right? And then somebody <clears throat> some famous art guy is walking through the museum and he sees it or they, they unveil it to him and he's like, That's fake. Yeah, and he knew right away. And it, as it turns out, it turns out to be
1: fake. And they had gotten uh, appraises, all of this done, and it was all, authenticated. Yeah, and, and this guy that's been doing this and looking at this stuff for his whole he, life was like, "No, nah, mm, something's not right.
0: Something's not right." And it turns out that it was a fake. It was a fake piece. They paid up for it too, yeah. uh, you know, millions and millions of dollars for this piece, and it was like the showpiece of this museum. Yeah. And then it was revealed that it was fake, and and the museum was like, "Well, how do we? How do all these people say it's real but it's fake?" Um, and and it's almost like okay, well, again, you know, people lie, numbers don't, but that guy's visceral feeling that he had—they looked at him like he was crazy. They looked at him like he was crazy, but it's a, it's you know, he, you know, Malcolm Gladwell also wrote the more known book that he wrote is Outliers, right? Outliers, yeah, and then the hockey world—that's a big book because he's got a chapter in there that talks about how uh you know the majority and and i think his data is a little outdated at this point but the majority of the hockey players that were playing on the high level national teams whether it was uh, overseas or canada or u.s were all born or the majority of them were born essentially in the first quarter of the year and then you know even a larger chunk were born in the first half of the year theory being those kids were bigger and stronger faster um than than the old than the Younger kids of the same same birth year, so they got elevated to better teams. They ended up getting better coaching. They ended up getting better, more practice time, which just furthered the gap between the boys and girls that were born in January, February, and March sure. versus the kids that were born in September, October, November, and December, and to this day, you know, like... Not so much anymore because my friends are a little bit older now, so we're not having kids. But when they were having kids, it would be like, oh, what's, you know, little Johnny's been born. What's their birthday? And they're like, oh, January 8th. Like, oh, great hockey birthday. That's a great hockey birthday. Because now that kid, that, that boy or girl that's born on January 8th, take my son Hank, he's a 2010 with a November birthday. So all his life, he's been competing against kids that are 11, potentially 11, 10, nine months older than him. That's a lot. It's a especially lot especially as a kid. As a kid it's a lot, you know, the delta between a you know a 9-year-old and a 10-year-old is huge. Um so but I always say you know that catches up. So when he goes to high school he'll be one of the oldest in his class. Yeah. So all the years of of playing against these kids that were older Will have helped him because he'll be used to playing against older kids. But now the kids Tradition. in his grade, he'll now be the older kids. So, yeah, uh, you know who knows. I mean, but but that's the, the so the Malcolm Gladwell book is is well known in the hockey community because of that particular. Yep. But, but it's a, that's also a great book that has a bunch of great stories.
1: All of his books, I love all of them. Yeah,
0: I mean they're a little redundant.
1: They they get they a lot of the same themes. Yeah. You, you
0: could say that. Yeah, I mean you don't need 42 chapters to say the same thing. Yeah. Know? I think he could. I think he could trim it down. A little bit, but he, but he's, he's. It's well written. Uh, it's an easy read. It's an easy read. Deal, yeah. I, I think I read it. I, I, I read Blink quickly, and then I think I read uh, Outliers on a couple of plane rides to yeah. and to and from Florida. You and read then Tipping Point. Read? I haven't read Tipping Point. It's, it's on my nightstand. Um. All right. So, so before we get a little long in the tooth, oh, yeah. Give me your. Uh, you know, how do you like crowd lending?
1: I love it. I love it. I really do, and I'm not.
0: All right, that's a wrap.
1: Not right? being paid to, to say that, uh, and I've, I'm always very honest. Everybody will know that. Probably a little too honest sometimes. Uh, I like. I love crowdlining. I think uh, the the vibe, as as root beer would say, is on point. Uh, the the way everybody interacts is awesome, and I think the and that starts tone at the top, right? So damn right, it does. The pop and pop do a good job of making this environment really nice and and inviting for everybody, and it's a fun time. It's not. You, know, you come in here. Some people a little late. Some people a little early. And it's just like ah, you came in and whatever. It's just it's a nice camaraderie. It's, yeah, I
0: think you know it's a it's it's. I hate to. It's like a little bit of a locker room mentality in that you know it's a team again. Like goes back to your team theory. It's a little bit you know you get, if you if you come in late, you're gonna get ribbed, right? If you yeah. if you leaving early as you walk out the door, you're gonna get some crap as you walk out you're the get a door. Jab yeah, here, we got a little music playing in the main in the main area, and and people are getting their work done, and and. Uh, You know, what I like the best um, about our team is, you know, everybody goes about and does their business and takes care of their, their, uh, you know, individual assignments or work or whatever. But if there is a code red or if there is something that needs to be done, everybody, it's all hands on deck and nobody complains about having to do something that may not be in their job description. We don't have job descriptions, right? I mean, there's no formal like, this is your job and these are the things you're going to do and... And and so I think that's my favorite thing about uh, about cr- the crowd lending team is that it's like okay hey man we got this problem needs to be fixed and everybody's like okay what are we gonna do to get it yeah. done and 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 what are the moves we gotta make and let's make them um, and I think those types of I don't want to call them crises because uh, you know you start using that term maybe our investors would get yeah. scared right. but you know you have moments in business where you gotta make decisions you gotta do things fast. But those are the those are the times and those are the uh, the um, moments that bring the team together even closer. 100, percent right? When you finish and you're like, oh man, geez, thank God that worked out, or thank God we were able to do that or make that move. So, and I think that's my favorite thing. That and uh, Friday lunches, which you were trying to do today.
1: I think we are doing it today. Oh really? Well, you, gotta, we you got a few. We you got, 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 got a few minutes to. We got to end to this podcast down. then.
0: Um, so. You know, I think we, you know, as we, as we walked through your life and it's not easy, you know, it's not easy to talk about your life, but I, you know, my takeaway mainly here is that, you know, you listening to your internal voice, the nudges, your nudges came from inside you.
1: Yeah. I think a big internal nudge and I think everything that surrounded me helped me f- understand that my internals, you know, going to church and my you know big family friends and all this stuff kind of helped. Me made sure I, I knew to listen to me and look out, you know, from within.
0: Well, yeah, because I guess the, you know the, the the flip side of it. You know, I, I uh the flip side of having all those people around and being part of church, right? There's a lot of voices. A lot of voices. And then you're at you're at PWC, and there's a lot of voices, and there's a lot of people going on different paths. There's A lot of noise. There's a lot of noise, and uh and and you knew enough that your nudges, your life nudges, were going to come internally some people get them externally i would say mine are probably more external than internal mm-hmm. but you 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 had the wherewithal at a young age i would say younger than most to say okay this is the path i'm taking yeah uh and no one's gonna sway you know d- you know sway me either way or move me for off good or bad? It, for it was, good or bad that's it for good or bad and 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 now you get to enjoy the good, you know, that the you get to enjoy your decisions, and had had you made bad decisions, you would have suffered that, and but you would have worked through them, and they all would have been part of who you are. Exactly. And, um, but it's, I think it's a nice, it's a nice story that you listen to your internal, uh, your internal nudges all the way along. Yeah, because it brought me here. Because it brought you here. That's it. Sitting at the table with the big man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big so man. yeah, the the little little big man. Little big man. Okay. Yeah, not the big little man. Sorry. That would be you. Uh, oh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Little okay. beating below me. Okay. I don't know. That, that joke bombed. <laughs> that's okay. 50%. That's
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. I have a joke. You can't, you can't uh, hit all the so, time. So
0: I'm going to tell one last story, one last joke, and then I'm going to sign off here. But so uh, we have, I have a, two sisters and a brother, and, and uh, we get together a lot, and, and um, my brother's a very funny guy, and and uh, so we're always telling stories, and we're telling jokes, and we're ripping on each other, and and. I always say, so if you tell a joke and if and it bombs I always say, well, I'm just shooting for fifty percent here, fifty percent and that line always gets my sister Doris to laugh <laughs> so I say no matter what I'm at 50% because yeah. I just got to throw the 50% out line out You'll get her. and I get her there you go so I'm always at 50% I like so that. I appreciate that for my my sister Doris. she always laughs about yeah. that joke so uh well thank you for coming on always. uh we probably could have gone for another hour but th- yeah, I think the food arrives in about oh four yeah. minutes so we got to eat big, big man big, needs I to was eat. Just, just to say big boy he's, he's gonna eating. go get his scale he's gonna weigh his food yeah yeah I will mm. I will Uh, But thank you for coming on. I think it's a great story. I think you're a great story. We love having you here at Crowdlending. And uh, for everybody out there, if you ever need anything, uh, don't hesitate to call because, as we know, everybody needs a nudge. Thanks, Nick.